0: We're in in part four of our series here this morning on on the church that God is building. We just call it Build, and uh, we've spent the last couple of weeks discussing the different elements that God uses in building his church in this end time, in the beginning of time and to the end of time. God's plan and God's purpose is the same for the church. It was Matthew chapter 16 and verse 15, Jesus speaking to his disciples. He asked them a question. He said, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, under inspiration of the Holy Ghost, answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Someone say build. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God is intentional about building an end time church. And we are determined to be a part of that church today. Could you pray one more time together with me? Father, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to be together. God, many people joining us this morning. And God, every one of those people represent so many needs, individuals with prayer needs, individuals with concerns, and God, families, God, that are struggling right now and have trouble right now. God, we lift them up to you in prayer. Those that have lost loved ones in the past few weeks, in the past few days even, God, we lift them to you. I pray that you would be a comfort around them. And God, I just, I wanna thank you this morning that your love is prevailing in this place. I thank you that your presence is still here at work. And, and God, we are grateful to be a part of this end time church with the promise of harvest attached to it. I pray that you would allow us to become everything that you desire for us to be. Allow us to build. God, not just to build according to ourselves and our own desires, our own wants and our own plans. But God, that we would become part of those elements of a building that you are building. The church that you are building. The church that you purchased, God, that church is the church that we want to be a part of today. Lead us, God. Guide us. Guard our tongue this morning. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church, we pray. In your name we ask it. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The church that God is building. We've taken a moment to look at a few of the building blocks that we believe that God has given to us you know the first week we talked about belief in Hebrews 11:6 without faith it's impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him that The power to believe is given to us. That opportunity to believe God is given to us in that measure of faith that he gives to every man. The understanding that that we have the opportunity to trust God for more than what we could provide for ourselves. To trust God for every promise that he gives us in his word. And and in order for us to to understand that God has more for us, we, we have to rely on this ability to believe. To believe that God is primarily and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek, seek him. And, and, and then we moved on to the second week. We, we discussed the ability to understand. To, to understand. We, we had our text from Proverbs 4 and verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And, and then the, the, the wisdom of Solomon is released further in the verse. And he said, with all of thy getting get understanding and talked a little bit about the things that we get in our society, the things that we are focused on getting. But if all of our getting get understanding and there are some things that, that we believe that we need to understand. We need to understand that there is a heaven to gain and that there is a hell to shun. We, we need to understand that there is eternity and we need to understand that we have the opportunity to determine our own eternity. With all of the getting, get understanding. We need to understand some of those things and they become the building blocks that God builds on. Last week, uh, the eye of build, B-U-I, we, we used the, the word intercede and we discussed the fact that God is still looking for men and women that will stand in the gap for humanity. Isaiah chapter 59 and 16, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no man intercessor that God is still intent on finding individuals who will be willing to intercede who will be willing to stand in the gap and we look back through some biblical history and we we saw how God used Abraham to intercede how God used Moses to intercede and that God is still looking for men and women that are willing to intercede for the world to stand in the gap to be the middleman to pull someone closer to God and bring God closer to somebody we have that opportunity to be an intercessor and and I want to do our part. We want to do our part to intercede on behalf of humanity in this end time and a church that is filled with intercessors that are willing to pray, that are willing to reach, that are willing to draw, to do the work of uh, of reconciliation, that that when we accomplish our work, when we do our role, then, then we have the opportunity to be the church that God is building in 2021. We get to be a part of that end-time revival, but we've got to be willing to be intercessors. The L in build is what we're talking about this morning. And the last few songs that we that we had sung this morning, we 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 discussed love, the love of God, how it reaches us and it roots for us and it calls for us love. And love is is not a it's a principle that's in the word of God that from the very beginning all the way through to the end. The love of God. And, and God's not just content on being the giver of love, but He desires for us to be a part uh, of His hand that loves. We're going to talk about love for a few moments this morning. So uh, let's buckle up our seatbelts and, and we'll dive into the word of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. It says this, that He would grant... Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus. He said that He, God, would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And he continues on. He said, not not just that spirit, it's not just some idea. He said that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that ye being rooted and grounded in love, someone say in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love, someone say love, to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. That there is an opportunity to receive a fullness that wouldn't be there if we're not willing to exercise the love of God. That there is a a knowledge and an understanding about the love of Christ that that we'll never grow into who God intends for us to be unless we're willing to know the love of Christ. And, and, And in order to do that, the Bible says that we... That you and I need to be rooted and grounded in love in order for us to fully know what God intends for us to know. It happens in an environment. It happens in an incubator of love. and We're going to unpack that for a few moments this morning. We know, uh, we know in Luke chapter 10 that the word introduces us to a, a, a real smart lawyer. We, some of us were familiar with the rich young ruler. Well, this is the real smart lawyer. He's won cases. He's strutted his... Strut- Strutted his stuff before the judges, and he's argued in, in cases before and come out the victor. And he must have had some level of confidence. He must have had some history of being victorious and in, in arguing for his position and arguing for what he believed and arguing for, for truth, let's say it that way perhaps. Or, or maybe he, whatever his responsibility was, he'd had some success. And, and he, uh, he dares to approach Jesus in, in Luke chapter 10, and it says a certain lawyer stood up. And tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, he doesn't break stride. He he just kind of carries on. He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And even this certain lawyer understood what he had been taught. He, He understood the responsibility that rested on humanity. He answered, and he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. He was able to rehearse his responsibility. He was able to, uh, de- de- he was able to define the question that God had asked of him, that Jesus had asked of him. He was, he was able to give the correct answer. And now, more than just being able to define it, and now more than just being able to, to kind of articulate it, Jesus turns around and he tells this young ruler or young lawyer he he said thou wast answered right you're right this do and thou shall live because you can be right and not act right he had uh, all of the facts in order. He had all the knowledge that he needed to answer the question. But now he just needed to, to articulate and act on what God had asked him to become. Thou hast answered right. This do and thou shalt live. And, and that's the part that scares me a little bit because yeah, he had it memorized. He could articulate it well. He, he could define it. But the trouble was in doing it. This do and thou shalt live. And that kind of cuts to the chase because he willing to justify himself, uh, verse 29, it said, he said unto Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, uh, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. And, and he begins to give him the story of the Good Samaritan. He begins to, to kind of describe the incident and the situation about a man that went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He, he spoke about how he fell among thieves. And, and those thieves destroyed his body. They wounded him and departed him, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came a certain priest along the way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, the Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked at him and passed by on the other side. You see, these individuals, they had roles and responsibilities. The lawyer knew about what they could and what they should do. Uh, He understood that, that there was a restriction in that environment of someone that was wounded and half dead. Because somebody half dead, it could just be a moment and they would become dead. And those those Levites, they knew that... That if they touched a person and they died, they would become unclean. And, well, the Levites had jobs to do. They had responsibilities to accomplish. They had individuals to meet. And they didn't want to be sidetracked or, or set aside for a period of time because somebody died in their presence or because they touched a dead thing. They knew all the things that they should and should not do. The shout-nots were all in order. Don't touch the dead. The lawyer knew what he was doing in the courtroom. He he knew uh, He knew what was happening with the story and he began to understand that's why jesus picked this story he knew it would hit him right where it hurt he knew it would hit him exactly where he was living he he knew all the law and the law didn't allow him to accomplish all of the things that he wanted to do if he had been touching a samaritan that died the samaritans were the individuals that were unwanted unliked and certainly unloved But the Bible says, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had the word compassion on him. He had compassion on him. You see, there was the contradiction that was given in this moment for the lawyer of what could be done and yet what should be done. The law would hold them back because... If they touched a dead individual, they would be restricted in their responsibilities. They would have to separate themselves. They would be unclean. But the certain Samaritan didn't even have a moment's hesitation. The Bible says when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He loved him. He may not have even known him. He may have had a list of things that he wanted to accomplish for the day, but love was the greater law. And it moved him. It said he went to him, bound up his wounds, poured in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. It was this story that got that young lawyer's attention. And Jesus finishes the story with the question. He said, now, among these three, thinkest thou, who think, who do you think was the neighbor to him that fell among the thieves? In verse 37, that lawyer had to answer what he knew. He said, he that showed mercy on him. I don't imagine his response was quite as cocky and arrogant as it was at the beginning. I, I don't imagine that his Voice had as much confidence and control now that the story was out. I, I think that when, when Jesus told the story as he did, it struck a nerve somewhere. And he said, he that had mercy on him. And Jesus knows that the stories come home. And he said to him, go and do thou likewise. Can I remind us today that God is still asking us, to do likewise it's not a parable it's often in scripture the bible tells us that jesus spoken to them in parables well it said in this story that a certain man went down it wasn't just uh, a story for illustration purposes it was a fact it was it was something that jesus was reiterating because he knew it had happened it wasn't out of the realm of possibility Who knows, it may have been this this lawyer that had observed the whole story take place and now Jesus is rehearsing it in his hearing and he can't help but say, it's the one that showed mercy on him. That's the one that showed the love. Love does take its picture in mercy toward others. And if there was a world that needed mercy today, it's our world. And church, can I remind us that it's our responsibility to show mercy. and Not just the mercy that we would extend, but it's our responsibility to show the mercy of God to somebody today. The command echoes down through time, go and do thou likewise to us here this morning. Go and do thou likewise. We're filled with a, in a world full of people who have fallen among thieves. We're, we're in a world full of people that have been wounded and left for dead. We're in a world full of people who have no way out unless we reach them, unless we grasp a hold of their hand and pull them nearer to God. We we have a responsibility today. We have an, an understanding that comes down through time, and, and Jesus' command comes to us this morning, go and do thou likewise. If we're going to be the church that God is going to build in this day and in this age then we have got to love people enough to reach them we've got to love somebody that's unlovable we've got to reach somebody that's unreachable we've got to allow ourselves to be God's hands and God's feet if we're going to accomplish the building project that God wants us to be a part of it's love here's the part of the danger is that Is that we all probably have loved God at a certain level in our lives. But over the course of time, we lose our level of love. And I can find support for that idea in scripture. We all, like the rich young lawyer. I I call him the rich young lawyer. I got the rich young ruler and, and certain lawyer in my head right now. The lawyer. Let's just call him the lawyer. The lawyer was looking for a loophole but we do the same thing. We all have our little loopholes that give us the excuse not to love the way that we should love what's your loophole this morning? I'd I like to ask you that question. What's, what's your loophole? Uh, yeah, you know, that, that's, that's what the lawyer had. He 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 lived in loopholes. He lived in opportunities for, for, for someone just to say the wrong thing. He he lived for those moments, for, for someone just to present the wrong fact, because then he'd pounce on them and, and say, ah, oh, you got it wrong. And, and he'd catch them up in their words and tumble them up in the story. And, and before long, he'd come out victorious, and he'd be the winner of the argument. Well, he, you know, that's... That's what he was trying to do with Jesus. But Jesus didn't give him, give him an opportunity for a loophole. We all have our little loopholes. I would, but Pastor Jack, I'd I, I love, but I, I did. But I already fill in the blank. I, I already tried. I, I, I already did my best. I already reached. I already. I can't because I won't because. I will if we put conditions on God and we have all kinds of loopholes and, and we, as, as soon as that the, that conviction comes that, that could come in the service this morning, we just kind of stand up and, and say, well I, I would, but, or I could, but and I already tried, I can't no, and nothing worked, it just didn't work before. Can I just remind you that Jesus wants to remove all of our loopholes. God wants to take away all of our excuses. He, he wants to tear down the walls of protect, protection that you built so you won't have to to act or activate that love in your life, but that's not going to work any longer. Your loopholes, those walls of protection that you build with all those loopholes will never build the church that God wants to build today. It only happens if we're willing to love. You know, we all can focus on the shall nots in life. It was, uh, you know, Jesus, we're, we're still talking about this lawyer and all of his... His uh, elements that would keep him from doing what he wanted to do. We could go back to the Ten Commandments. We, we tend to major on the shall nots. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. And that's what God was saying to, to his people Israel. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. We got a shall there. A shall. You shall honor your father and mother. But then the shall nots continue. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. We can get focused on shall nots. It's what we can't do, the things that we can't accomplish. That, that's where the Levite was. That's where the priest got caught up. That's where the lawyer got hung up because we live in a world of shall nots. Can I, but can I remind you that, that, that God is a God of the shall. It's normal for us to get caught in the "shall not." Eve could eat of every tree except one. The first "shalt not" in the Bible is why we are all living here the way we're living now. Genesis two and seventeen. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. Someone say "shalt not," for in the day thou shalt that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. We find the first and only shalt not in scripture is right there for Adam and Eve with with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that fruit. Because when you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. And just like us, and just like the lawyer, we get focused on what we can do. Eve got distracted from everything that she could do. Everything that she could have, all the gifts of the garden were outweighed by one single shelt not. She could have eaten of every fruit. She could have eaten watermelon till her heart was content. She could have eaten apples and oranges and peaches and plums. And she could have eaten the fresh vegetables out of the ground. She could have eaten all oh, just her fill of, of everything that was good, but but she got focused on the one fruit that she couldn't eat. The one "shalt not outweighed all the shells that she had in her garden in the garden of good and evil in, in the garden of eden all all of those all of those abilities and opportunities and privileges presented themselves and all she could focus on was thou shalt not but that's not the god that we serve today you see if we get if we get love right the shell knots fall into place. If we get love right, because if we love the way that God intended for us to love, all the commandments come into play, And that was what Jesus was trying to teach this young lawyer. He, he, he thought he could kind of get by in a technicality, but, but Jesus just kind of struck right to the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is all about the love that's in your heart. The heart of the matter is all about the love that's in your heart. Deuteronomy 6 and 4 gave us Hero Israel, the two commandments that all of the rest of the commandments hung on. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love. Thou shalt, someone say, shalt, love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all of thy might. God isn't a God of the shalt not, He's a God of the shall. And he said, If you love me the way that I would love for you to love me, then you won't have to mess with all the shall nots because they'll just all fall in place. As a matter of fact, they're the hinge that all of the commandments swing on if we're willing to love God and love people then it doesn't matter everything else comes into order if we're willing to love if we're just willing to love God and love people then God can build the church that he wants to build in 2021 Peter tells us that love covers a multitude of sins why why does he tell us that? Because God's commands are easy when things are good. The, when, when you love God, God, God just kind of allows things to, to get covered. You're not focused on the minors. You're not focused on the, the minuscule things that get you upset or get, get you off track. God, God just saying love him unconditionally and everything else comes into order. Love covers a multitude of sins. Are you saying that there's an option for the blood? That's not what Peter's saying and that's not what I'm saying. But Peter did say love covers a multitude of sins. Why? The command of love, because he commanded us to love him. He commanded us to love each other so that love would cover failure, so that love would cover wrongdoing, so love would cover when, when somebody didn't meet our expectations, so that love was greater than the things that would separate us. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love The command of love is so that you don't come undone when life uncovers what love covered. They call it puppy love. They say they complete me. Just like magnets. Our lives have been attracted together. You see, that's when love is covering. You can't even see that person yet. They're just so much in love. But then little by little life begins to unpack that person, begins to uncover. And let me tell you why there's a command of love. Husbands, love your wives. Let me tell you why. Because sometimes that, that, that person begins to get unpacked. You say, oh, I didn't see that before. No, because your puppy love covered a multitude of wrong. And now you're dealing with the reality of who that person is. But that doesn't mean you have the right to quit. It means that you have the responsibility to love. That's what love does. Love covers. Love covers. It's Ephesians, the church in Ephesus, Paul writes to, he said that he would grant you to the church, he's speaking this, that he, that he, God, would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, and the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. In the original language, the word rooted means stabilized. In the original language, the word grounded means to lay a basis for, to erect, or consolidate. And then listen, to lay the foundation for the ground, for the settling that would happen, that we could be rooted and grounded, not in doctrine, that's, not, that's important, absolutely, but Paul, when writing to the church in Ephesus, he said, do you want to know what to get rooted and grounded in? Be rooted and grounded in love. Be rooted and grounded in love. He didn't say rooted and grounded in theology and church history and church traditions or church giving or church attendance. All of those things are important. All of those things are responsibilities that we have. We, we have an understanding that we have to have. But, but Paul said those aren't the things that, are, that you need to get rooted and grounded in. You need to be rooted and grounded in love. Because if you're rooted and grounded in love then you'll love the church enough to know its history. You'll you'll love the church enough to to understand why we do what we do. You'll love the church enough. You'll love love each other enough to be a part of this mission that God has given to us of reaching the whole world world with the whole gospel that that responsibility rests with us church attendance won't be a question because you'll love the people of God and you'll love God enough that it's just going to come into place it's going to it's going to fall into place it's going to come into order if we love unconditionally that's why he said rooted and grounded in love we can come back to the music this morning that same church that Paul addressed in our text His encouragement to be rooted and grounded in love got buried as time went on beneath the dust of conflict. It wasn't all bad. But we see a picture of that church in the book of Revelation. It's got a lot of good going on. In the pressure of persecution, its teachings could still be recited. The doctrine could be defined and defended. The commandments could be articulated. The standards of separation were intact. Evil was rooted out. False teachers were tried. The gifts of the Spirit were intact. They operated with discernment. The fruit of the Spirit was evident. They were patient. They were people of the name. They weren't lazy. They worked and worked in the vineyard. But the Bible tells us that Jesus had a word for them in Revelation 2 verse 4 he said nevertheless I have somewhat against thee because listen thou hast left thy first love your first love remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent first love Can I tell you a love story? Fall of 1989. I'd met her that summer. But I never thought that we'd be walking down Route 8 right out here. Route 8 highway together. I'd taken time. I'd already kind of zeroed my attention in on this beautiful blonde haired girl that could play the piano and sing like the angels. Now I wanted to get to know her a little better. And as we walked in the She's for Christ here's a little sh- shout out for, for the youth division little She's for Christ walketh on as we began walking down Route 8 Highway the fall of 1989 somewhere along that journey I began to get to know this blonde haired girl and our friendship grew and by the time we got to the summer of 1991 there wasn't a doubt in my mind that this is the girl that I wanted to marry first love I remember I had planned on being in Montreal that summer, summer of 91, I took a poster of Kathy, not a picture, not a wallet photo, I took a poster of Kathy with me. It was two feet by three feet. Her, <laughs> her head was bigger on the picture than it was in real life. I had it rolled up and tucked away in my, my luggage. I, I, I still can't believe that Allison and Terry gave me that picture of Kathy. And, it landed in Montreal with me. Well, they say absence makes the heart grow fonder. They, the people in Montreal still make fun of me about the summer that I came for a two-week total. It was longer than that. I tried multiple jobs. I, 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 You know, the language was a barrier. I knew very little French, and and it just seemed like the jobs that were available, I landed on work sites and job crews of people that didn't speak the first, same first language as me, and... And, uh, and I was of little help trying to speak French And some of them were little help trying to speak English And there was this conflict And finally, uh, one of the gentlemen in the church Was able to get me a job cleaning cars At Plaza Car Dealership And and, uh, and I enjoyed that I Good guys to work with And great opportunity there And, and it looked like things were going to work out for the summer but, but it It still left me in the evening Not with Kathy It left me staring at this picture and I found out from my dad that where my uncle worked back in St John they were hiring and I had the opportunity to go there and, and work and and I probably blamed it on a number of reasons better financial opportunity I can be home I but blah, 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 blah. the real reason was because I had the opportunity to be back in the same vicinity as my future wife would be in you see before I'd left to go on that trip to Montreal I told her I, I love you I'd never told another girl that before or at least not when I was older than five years old those words mattered something to me they they mattered to me I didn't say them lightly. I didn't use them in every, you know, when I know some of our friends to the South, that's part of their casual greeting. Hey, I love you, bro. I love you. I understand all that. I, I hadn't used those words lightly. It, 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 when I was growing up, those words were used very sparingly. They were used very decidedly. And now for the first time, I had uttered those words to this woman and, and I was stuck waiting. Too far away to be together. And the old first love feeling was kicking in. I'm just reminding, does anybody know a little bit about what I'm talking about? We've, we've got to remind ourselves in our natural relationships about those first love feelings. And and our, our love hasn't diminished. It, it's grown. Uh, we, we didn't have anything. When we got married, we didn't have a blessed thing. We just built life together. We had the opportunity to, to build life together and... And what a privilege that has been. I honor Kathy today for, for loving me even when probably I was unlovable and, and for allowing us to continue and maintain a first love feeling. But, but can I remind us today that God is calling us to that original level of love that we had for Him today? I have a question for us. Do, do you have that? Do I have? Do we have that kind of first love for God that we used to have? And then do we have that kind of love for each other? Do we have that kind of love for humanity? Do we have that kind of love? Because if the command, the command, not the, the command is that we love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, with all of our might, with all of our ability, that we love God that way and we love our neighbor as ourselves. That command that came to that ruler, that lawyer that day, is the command that still echoes down through time to us. We have a responsibility to love. Jesus gave the solution. And part of this message, this sermon this morning, is the same reminder. He said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and I will remove thy candlestick out of its place except thou repent. That command still comes to us today. responsibility well what do i do what do i do if if things have cooled off what do i do if my life is is going in the wrong direction the bible is very clear remember therefore from whence thou art falling remind yourself of what it used to be like remind yourself of the of the insistence you had for the consistency of prayer remind yourself of what it was like to to unpack the word of god and for that revelation to come where where you were just inspired by the instruction that you received, where you didn't want to miss an opportunity to be a part of what God was doing in the church where it may have been service every night but that didn't slow you down. Why? Because you had a love for God. A first love. Remember. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Remind yourself of what it used to be like. Remind yourself of how much passion you had for God and for people. Remind yourself because if you're reminded, you'll move back to that place. You can rekindle a first love experience. Do the first works. Be reminded, repent, and do the first works. Remember, repent and do the first works remember repent and do the first works remember what it was like repent about where you are now don't don't push it away don't don't try and justify yourself like the lawyer did don't look for all the loopholes to make an excuse for the way you may be now if you aren't in that first love experience then move back into that relationship with God remember repent and do the first works you say Pastor Jack, you want me to to act, act? Yep, I want you to act. I want you to act out some of the first works that you did. Act the way that you did when you first got into the church. Act the way that you did when you first realized that you were purchased by His blood. Act the first, the way that you first did when, when you realized His mercy reached you. Re- remind yourself. Go back to that first place and say, God, I, I, I've gotten more knowledge now. I, I may be smarter now, but I've lost my first love experience, and, and I don't want God to have something against me. Let me tell you why. Because a church that's in fully in love with God will act different. It, it'll reach, it'll move any mountain in the way to get to people. It'll move any mountain in the way to get to God. We've got to remind ourselves of what that first love was like. Our world is fallen. We don't need a fallen church. So do the first works. Repent and remember. We have that opportunity. And God can use a church like that, a church that's willing to love him with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, with all of their might, with all of their strength. God can use a church like that. We can't just say that we love God. We've got to put action behind our understanding. We've got to put action behind our declaration. If we love God, then it changes how we act toward him. If we love people, it adjusts the way that we respond to people. It adjusts the way that we speak to people if you love somebody it, it changes everything it changes everything it, it changes our desires it changes our wishes it changes our, our want to's it changes all of those things all of those things get adjusted and impacted when we fall in love with God back in love with God and we fall in love with people I want to love God that way I want to love people that way today. Could you pray together with me and allow the Lord to, to leave us with that kind of love this morning? Father, I thank you for the privilege of addressing these people. God, I thank you that your presence has moved with us this morning. And your challenges come because it's easy to fall out of love. That's why we need the command of love. God, you gave us the command because the potential outcome was too tragic if we didn't love. The same way all of your other "Shalt not commandments are there to, to save us from ourselves, this, the command to love you, that we should love you, that we shall love you is there because we can't afford not to love you that way the opportunity that it presents, the the ability that comes when we love you and love people with an infinite, unrestricted love, God, is too great to miss out on. Use us today, I pray, to be your hands. Use us to be your feet. And God, look within our lives and find love that we have for you. Move us back into that first level of love, that first love experience. We pray this morning. In Jesus' precious name, we ask these things. We all said amen. Amen. I want to remind you that it's a a privilege for us to, to be together. Thank you for allowing us the opportunity to be with your family, with you this morning. Thank you for hearing the word of the Lord. Now we just get to do it, CCC. Now we just get to do it, Church of God. Now, now we get to become what God is calling us to be. Now we get to be the church that God is building. Let's love that kind of way this morning. God bless you today. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.